This is a Main Hustle Media Podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Jackie O and you're listening to Militantly Mixed. Yo, this is Rashani from the Single Simulcast. And when I'm not making you laugh or making up parody songs, I'm kicking back listening to Militantly Mixed. Hey y'all, welcome to Militantly Mixed, a podcast about race and identity from the mixed race perspective. I am your host, Charmaine, aka Mixed Girl Maine, and this is episode 45. I'm kind of doing a little sneaky sneak and recording my intro right now because my husband and four cats went to the other room and they're all taking a nap. I wasn't invited. They just turned off the lights. Everybody's asleep on the bed. So, okay, thanks for... Thanks for not telling me we're taking a nap, family nap. Uh, but at least I don't have to boot everybody out the room. So perfect time to record my intro. Uh, it's been kind of a, t- <laughs> it's been kind of a tough week. The week started out by right before I was about to record something for somebody else's podcast last Sunday. Uh, my cat Revan, my older cat, uh, had to be rushed to the emergency room. So that's pretty much, we were, we were there for a couple hours and we still don't know what's wrong with them because we can't afford the expensive, expensive test that goes inside and tells us everything. So he's as, he's fine as he can be. He, he's active and he's eating and all that kind of stuff. He doesn't appear to be in pain, but he's sick and we don't, we just don't know what's, what it is. And he was actually sick since before our other cat, Ronan, died. And I think it was because we were focusing so much on Revan being sick that we might have missed signs or maybe we didn't. I don't know where when Ronan got sick and died. So it's giving me flashbacks because I just lost my other guy. And I'm really hoping Revan's not trying to leave me because he misses his brother. So it's been... This has been a really, really tough year, and uh, I hope both of my boys don't. <laughs> Shit, I keep doing this. Uh, yeah, so anyways, I hope both of my boys don't leave me this year. And uh, it's it's really put a big shadow over kind of everything that I do right now. Not to mention my work environment is just awful. I kind of talked about it a little bit on this show, but I've talked about it more on the other show, Blurred Comics. And um, yeah, so the work environment is horrible and it's really starting to kill my spirit. So on top of uh, the loss with my cat and my sick cat and stuff like that happening, and then I go to work and I'm just in this terrible work environment, kind of the worst I've ever been in. And I've been in some bad work situations before. It's starting to tear down my energy and I, you know, I tried to take a break in April, which I failed to do. And, uh, but I can, I can tell the impact. It takes me longer to put together an episode, uh, now than it used to. And even though Militantly Mixed and Blurred Comics and Black Radical Queer are like my safe spaces, my passion things that I I get to enjoy, I used to, you know, rush home and have high energy and just get it done from work and stuff. And now... Now it's kind of taking me multiple days or all of Saturday and all of Sunday to get episodes done. Uh, so I really got to get out of that workspace. I've only been there for seven months, but I got to get out. So I'm working hard to try to do that so I can get my, my spirit back because it's definitely being crushed. So I, I debate whenever this happens where I do kind of f- sort of fall apart a little bit on my intros, I debate with myself whether I'm going to leave it in or not. And... 
I don't want to leave it in, but I have been telling myself for the last two years to be more open and honest about my mental health and my depression and anxiety and things. And uh, I feel that they're, because of the toxic response that a lot of people still have about people with mental health issues, I decided to, to start leaving them in to show a real moment. And that was a real moment for me. Uh, primarily I had a really good day today. I, a friend of mine gave me a surprise massage and I had a, or not the, the friend provided the service and I was able to bring a massage therapist to my house who I really liked and, and it was paid for by my friend and it was just a, just thinking about you thing. So I've had a really good day, but when it's quiet and I'm alone and I'm recording my intro and I thought about my cat. I kind of broke down. So I think it's important to talk about mental health. And even though Military Mix isn't necessarily itself a show about mental health, it is a show that is a reflection of me and all of my intersections. And uh, depression is one of them. So uh, that's why I choose. That's why I've decided to go ahead and, and leave those moments in, however uncomfortable and awkward they are for me and probably for the listener too. But I, like I said, I'm trying to be out of the closet about my issues and, um, yeah, so, but on the flip side of it, uh, at least on Militantly Mix and Blurred Comics, I, I get to talk to great people that kind of lift my spirits during those moments. And today's episode is one of those types of situations. So before I get into talking about today's guest, I'll do my normal routine and talk about how you can support the show. Always supporting us via social media is a big deal. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Militantly Mixed and on Facebook.com slash Militantly Mixed or send me emails to Charmaine at Militantly That's S as in Sam, H-A-R, M as in Mary, A, N as in Nancy, E at Militantly Let me know how the show is affecting you, if you love it, if you hate it, if there's things that you want to hear that you haven't heard yet, if you want to tell your story, if you want to share how somebody's story impacted you, whatever it is, please connect with us. Uh, A lot of the guests I find through these types of messages, in fact, the guest today is actually someone I connected with on Instagram as well. So please do connect with us. connect with me on social media and uh and tell me how the show's impacting me tell me what kinds of things you need because this is a community space militantly mixed family of mixed race people trying to push representation for us share our stories and let other mixed folks out there know that they are not alone um, so that's a big way to support the show and if you would like to support the show financially we have two ways of doing that i talk about it every week uh, the first way is patreon.com slash militantly mixed that is a monthly sponsorship where you can go on and support us anything as low as a dollar a month to as high as anything you wish There's different reward levels depending on what level you subscribe at, and that monthly support helps with basically the logistics of the show, putting the show on. It helps with the hosting fees for the audio file so that I can push that file to whatever podcast platform you are currently listening to us on, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, Google Play, but basically that file is hosted on a website and that website pushes it to what how you're listening to it and the sponsorship helps me be able to do that. That way I always know an episode's going to go out. As that sponsorship grows, that'll help with other other types of hosting like our website which I am currently building f- for free with my cousin and whenever he's available we kind of work it out 
but yeah, it's a slow build because I don't have the resources and, you know, I'm benefiting off of the support and help of my friends and family who have talents that I can't afford. <laughs> uh, so that's why we don't have a website yet. Um, but we're, we'll get it out there eventually. But th- this is how Patreon support helps us. It helps us with the logistics of keeping the show going. And then the second way of doing that, I've talked about it a couple times for the last few weeks, is we are doing a fundraiser for Militantly Mix on the Road. If you've been listening for the last month or so, you know that I traveled up to Northern California and did the first of the live in front of an audience interviews of mixed race folks. And you've heard most of those interviews so far. You'll hear the last one of that trip next week. I wanted to break it up a little bit. So you're going to be hearing slightly annoyed mixed chick today. Next week, you'll hear the last of our Militantly Mixed on the Road interviews. And I loved that experience so much. I want the opportunity to be able to do that a little bit more and hopefully we can kind of find and touch more people that are interested in learning about mixedness or are mixed and feel alone and militantly mix on the road is going to help us do that so i am trying to raise $2500 between now and July 5th which is the anniversary date of militantly mix being a podcast on the air so as we start getting donations i will be posting that on social media in the meantime if you would like to support us there you can go to paypal.me slash militantly mixed give us anything as low as a dollar to as high as anything you wish the goal is $2,500 but whatever we actually earn will be helpful in promoting the show and promoting me going out on the road okay that's enough of that let's talk about today's guest today's guest is slightly annoyed mixed chick she has a blog and uh, she also has a social media presence which we will share at the end of the show and just like me she's mixed woman trying to connect and talk about mixed race issues and her platform was a blog she started writing a little while ago she also has another blog called two and a half black women which she does with fellow black women friends and so we connected through social media we connected through instagram basically i saw her comment on something on the militantly mixed ig and i was like i love your name what's the deal Let's talk about it and found out about the blog. And so that's how I invited her to the show. We actually, it's kind of crazy. She and I mirror each other more than probably any guests that I've had so far. We have a dozen different things popped up during our discussion that we had the exact same experience. So this was a new one for me. It was really kind of crazy. And while I have had these moments with other folks, you know, here and there, little things that have connected us or mixedness in general. This is the first time where everything she said, I was like, me too. And everything I said, she's like, oh my God, thank you. I used to experience that. So it was a really, really weird experience to have that. And and kind of awesome to realize that, you know, as unique as we might feel as being mixed race people, our stories are very similar. Our experiences are very similar. Our otherness is very similar. And it's nice to be able to have those conversations where you don't have to provide context because the context is our shared experience. And that's exactly what I had on this interview. So without further ado, please help me welcome the slightly annoyed mixture. So my guest today is Slightly Annoyed Mixed Chick. Welcome to Militantly Mixed. 
Hello. And why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself and then we'll get into it. Um, I'm a 45-year-old mixed chick who basically grew up in the loving generation. For those of you who don't know, you should look it up. It's incredibly fascinating. I come from Seattle originally, moved to Boston for college, had some kids while I was there, and uh, moved to California. So it's been three very different views, three very different lenses in regards to race, especially being biracial. Mm -hmm. um, Seattle, it was a little, who are you? What are you? There's a couple of us. Boston was definitely, we don't do that. Yeah. Oh, I used to live in Bridgewater. <laughs> right? It yeah. doesn't happen around here. Yeah. And then um, California has been completely different, but it took me a while when I got here to understand that it was okay, that I could walk into certain neighborhoods and I wasn't going to get looks or be asked to leave. Or there were a lot of, you know, mixed race couples mm -hmm. and that me being mixed was not such a bad thing, that it wasn't something I had to apologize for, and it definitely wasn't something I had to constantly explain how it happened. Right. So, yeah, I'm, I have a, you know, I work nine to five. I have, you know, some blogs that I'm doing and um, just trying to survive, trying to, you know, make it in this kind of fucked up world. Yeah, so, okay, let me ask this question. Well, before we get into it, I'm going to ask the question that white people ask us all the time. <laughs> what is your ethnic background? <laughs> Ooh, all right. Um, <laughs> kind of covered this in the blog because uh, who I thought I was was not who I am. Mm. So per my family, I am Native American, I am black, I am white, I am Irish. Per Ancestry.com, I'm black and white. That's right. it. There's nothing else. I am Irish, English, and about a lot of Africa. So I have that same experience, and I've been told that they didn't collect any uh, samples from various indigenous tribes, and because a lot of indigenous folks was like, "I'm not giving you my blood. I tried that before." Uh, so it's not going to come up because they don't have oh. enough of a sample size. Oh, yeah, that. That is, thank you. No problem. Someone had to answer that question to me because I was like, man, people be lying. And <laughs> right? like... That's what I've been doing this whole time. I've been sitting there going, man, my grandma was such a liar. And why does my great grandfather look like he stepped right off the reservation, but supposedly he's right. Irish? Right. Okay, yeah. Because so my same with on my black side, my great granddad, he basically has a Native American face with, you know, dark, dark skin. And. And I was like, there is no way we don't come in with a little bit. We right. got to have it somewhere. And then on the white side, on my mom's father's side, who I don't really know very well, he always talked about them coming from a Blackfoot background. So it didn't right. pop up. I complained about it. And then I happened to have a guest, Allison Hart, who wrote the book Mostly White about four generations of mixed race women, Native American, black and white women. And she's the one who told me that. And I, and she's she's more embedded in, in kind of understanding Native American culture and things like that. And I was like, oh, and it makes sense that they would be disinclined to give their blood for samples to use. That makes sense. Right. That absolutely makes a lot of sense. It also changes me calling up my father and, and yelling. <laughs> 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 Now I gotta call and apologize. Like, Sorry, Dad. So there's that. 
yeah, there's that. So yeah, um, well, that's interesting. So you took the ancestry test and it uh, it altered what you felt like your identity was for a period of time? Oh, it absolutely did because growing up, one of the things that was like part of my heritage was we went to powwows, you know, and oh. that was part of who I was. And then I take this test last year and it completely blows it out of the water. And it also broke my heart because it's one thing to talk right. about, oh, you know, our ancestors came over on ships, you know, our ancestors came over in chains. And it's another to go, oh, no, no, no. My ancestors came from this area and this is exactly what happened to them. And I remember sitting in the car talking to my dad and just crying because I was mm. like, dad, it makes it so real, so real. And he had um, told me, he said, well, yeah. He said, but remember, we're part of the strongest stock. He was like, because the strong survived. Mm. You know, so I was like, okay, all right. Oh, gosh. So the feeling of that being like ripped away from you, basically, through some jerk of a website. Yeah. Really messed with you. Okay. It absolutely did. And it's so funny because it's that website constantly updates. And it just let me know that my mother's side of the family going far, far, far back during, um, settler times had the same last name as my father's side of the family where they settled in the exact same area. And when mm. I say settled on my dad's side, you know, what settled means. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So there's, we're trying to see if there's a possibility that my mom's side of the family gave my dad's side of the family, my last name. Right. So it's just been, I mean, it's been great to know, but it's also just kind of like tore my world apart in so many ways. Right. And I, I remembered that fear because I it took me a long time to decide to do it. And actually what I decided to do before Ancestry was the African Ancestry uh, one, which is it's more expensive, but it's yeah. but they have like 35,000 different samples of DNA, uh, tribal DNAs from the continent. And so I thought, you know what, my biggest problem about being black American is that I don't have a bridge to Africa. I don't like referring to myself as African American and I still do not like referring to myself as African American because I don't think it's yes. accurate and it doesn't account for the white Africans and the Arab Africans and the right. Indian Africans and stuff like that. Plus, I don't want to be a continent. I don't want to I don't want to just be like there's a whole bunch of dark-skinned people over there, so like you came from there. <laughs> you right. know, I wanted to have that that touchstone. So I took that test. Well, I wasn't able to because it's patrilineal or matrilineal. My father's side is the black side. So my uncle did it for me. Like I paid my uncle to spin right. the two basically. And we found out <laughs> that we came from three different tribes in Gabon. And I was like, like kind of emotional. I didn't expect to be emotional, but like knowing finally that there was a place that I could research and that maybe one day if I ever get to the continent, I could go there and be like, people I come from walked here. You know, like I want, oh, yeah. I want to feel that experience and I, I hope to have that experience one day. And then like four months later, I decided to take the ancestry test because I'm really not that curious about my white side and my white side, my British side has like a family genealogist that kind of tracked a bunch of stuff. So I already felt like I knew what I needed to know. Right. And the Japanese side, my family tracks back to the samurai time and a certain clan. So like, I didn't have a whole lot of curiosity, but I'm like, you know what? I might as well. You never know. And that's when I found out we didn't have any Native American. And I was like, I was like, whoa, that messes up two sides of my family's stories. And I was just like, man, people just lie. And then, and the funny thing is, is 
I've through ancestry or because of ancestry, I connected with one of my father's cousins who I never knew. And she has righted some wrongs. She's like, yeah, your granddad was a liar. Uh, so <laughs> she righted some wrongs at least. But what what I was afraid of, what I was terrified of being mixed, and maybe you have this feeling too, uh, because I do associate with my brown more than my white, I was afraid I was going to be less than a quarter black because my dad's yes, black, my dad's you. half black, my dad's half white, my mom's half white and half Japanese. So I was like, what happens if I'm like 9% black, when my whole right. identity is wrapped up in my blackness. And then doing the math, I still come out at like 24% black, which flipped me a different way. Cause I didn't, ex I thought for sure we had a lot more white on that side because my great grandmother was very light skinned. She could have like in 1850s, she probably would have passed for white in the 1970s. She was a light skinned black woman. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, the, I, I thought for sure we'd have more white in us, but we don't actually have that much white on that side. And so I was like, oh, thank goodness. <laughs> like, I'm not I'm not more white or whatever. And so this this ancestry thing, it really messes you up because you have mm -hmm. to decide if you're going to let it affect your identity or if mm -hmm. you're just going to let it be information. I, I went into it for information and then. I, I caught myself looking at the percentages and adding them up and then being yeah, really, really upset that I was more white than I even thought I was. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And even though I knew it and I know, you know, you know, logically, you know that black Americans more than likely have some white in them because unfortunately, that's just the way it is. Right. So, you know, you take the test, you're going to have some white in you. And if you're mixed, you're going to have a lot more white probably than you are going to have black for the most part. But I was actually surprised to find out that I was like 37% black. Um, considering the fact that a lot of the stories I got in regards to my dad's father, my dad's black was, Oh, grandpa BB had like green eyes and blonde mm. hair. And he was so light that one time when he, cause he was in the army, they were taking the train back and the conductor came back and asked him to please go up to the front and sit with basically his own kind because he was so light presenting. Mm. And he was like, no, 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 I'm black. And he had to convince the conductor that he was actually a black man mm. because him you know that you know that the rule you have a certain amount no matter how you look you're black right so he grew up with that because he's they grew up in houston so over there it's still pretty segregated i used to go there um and visit in the summers and i remember being there every summer and there were no white people there just were none i was the whitest girl and i looked pretty darn white to most people you know i have a tiny little nose light skin um, but I was raised by a black man. My mom died when I was five. So my mm. father always raised me as you're black. Right. There was no, you're mixed. There was no, you're biracial. It was just very simply, you're black. Right. You know, and it wasn't until I hit high school that it became an issue where it was like, no, 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 you're not one of us. And the white kids were like, no, 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 you're not one of us. So I had nowhere to go. So I started hanging around the Vietnamese kids because they didn't seem to care. <laughs> so for me, it was the Mexican kids. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, it was the Vietnamese. So I spent probably the last few years of my life just hanging around my Vietnamese friends and feeling really, really large. Like, mm. I look back at myself in high school and I was like, my God, you were a skinny chick, but I wasn't tiny enough. Right. So I couldn't get a Vietnamese guy to like me. I had a thing for, you know, Japanese guys. And they were like, nah, I'm good. So I really didn't date in high school. Right. 
when I moved to Boston, it was almost like this like light, this beacon came down and I was like, all these people look like me. What are they? Oh, they're Puerto Rican. They all look like me. You're right. You know, and if I just keep my mouth shut, (laughs) (laughs) I have Latino babies now Mm. because it was too hard to explain being mixed over there. They just look at you crazy. And I'm like, I'm black and I'm white. And because more people are from the islands if you're black over there. They're right. like, okay, what island are you from? Not. I'm, right. I'm black. I'm black American. There's a lot of Cape Verdeans out there. Yeah. There's a lot of uh, Portuguese. Yeah. Um, a lot of, yeah, a lot of island folk or whatever. So on the West Coast, I'm Mexican or Filipino. And on the <laughs> East Coast, I'm Dominican or Puerto Rican. I assume yeah. you have the same thing. Oh, absolutely. The funniest thing is when I moved to California, um, people would be like, oh, are you Mexican? And I'm looking around with my massively huge curly hair. Yeah. And I'm like, I, what am I? What? I don't look like Mexican at all, but they never came up with the concept of mixing two races together. Like when people ask me all the time what I am, I'm like, well, what do you think? And they still can't go, you must be this and this. They just give me one definitive race because in their minds, Mm -hmm. it's so hard to conceive that two different groups of people would get together and have a child. And I don't know why in 2019, that's such a far-fetched notion, but they have such a hard time with it. Yeah, when I was, so I was growing up in Long Beach during high school and I had the crunchy curly hair because that was the look, it was the early (laughs) 90s. And so I, I, because I'm yellow, I did kind of, a lot of Mexican people thought I was like them. And what I'd be like, no, 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 I'm black and Japanese. They'd be like, you should be proud that you look Mexican. Aren't you proud? And I'm like, how am I supposed to be proud that I happen to look Right. Like, if you're not looking at me close enough, because my facial features are black, my skin is yellow, and so just because I had curly hair, I vaguely look like Mexican kids, you know, that I went to school with, but I didn't talk like them. I didn't sound like them. Right. So it's a weird, it's a weird thing. And actually, before before I asked you what your ethnic background was, I was going to ask you, how often are you Mexican? <laughs> because... <laughs> because we're in we're in california and especially with you having curly hair i assume people thought you were like southern californian mexican they i will say they don't get that deep into it but i the funniest thing is people will talk to me in spanish and because i do speak some spanish Mm -hmm. i just automatically you know speak back and then when i trail off because i only know some they're like oh they get very upset with me and they're like but you're mexican How come you don't speak Spanish? And I'm like, I'm so sorry. I apologize. I'm not Latino at all. And I have to say that because if I say I'm not Mexican, then they just go down the list of, you know. Yeah. What what kind of Latin? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, okay, let me just stop you right there. Not a Latina at all. They get so hella confused. So yeah, they will just, they stare at me and they, one, they act like I'm lying. I know. Oh, my gosh. I feel like I'm crazy because I tell people like it makes me feel like they're accusing me of something. And I'm not going to apologize that I happen to not be whatever somebody assumes I am. Yes, absolutely. And it's so funny because my fiance is Filipino and he is very, very dark. He's very brown, Mm. like very, very dark. So people will go somewhere and they think he's Central American. Oh, and they'll look at me and I'm the one speaking Spanish. He's the one staring around like, what's going on? And I'm like, they, they think you're Central American. And he's like, again, and I'm like, yeah, well, you're like my height. I'm five one. I'm like, and uh, you look Central American. 
so we run into that all the time. And then my son is white presenting. Like when I say white presenting, he looks like um, Sean Mendez. So we go out. There's my dad, who's a big black guy. There's my fiance and his parents, <laughs> little Filipinos. There's me. Nobody knows what I am. There's my son. And then I have two Latina daughters, one with curly hair and one with straight hair. And people are just looking around going, oh, dear God, what happened? <laughs> like Maybe you just adopted a whole bunch of people. Oh, oh yeah. let me ask this question, because this is something that comes up on the show quite a bit. Do you, when you're with your white presenting child, are you assumed to be a caretaker? Oh, so he was born with red hair and gray eyes. Oh, my goodness. And I remember very clearly someone coming up to me when we were in Boston and asking me if I was the nanny. Yep. That was exactly what I expected someone would have said. God oh, yeah. And I, I hate looked, this. I hate it. And I was like, you know what? I kind of wish I was because then someone would pay me for this. But no, he's mine. <laughs> It's 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 something that happens so often, especially when the mother is uh, well. Actually, what comes up on the show is when the mother is brown, any kind of brown, you're the help, you're the mm -hmm. caretaker. If the mother is white, you are congratulated for having the strength and courage to adopt a yellow baby or a brown baby and live, you know, with this, you know, wonderful spirit. <laughs> to, to take care of a yellow or brown baby because you're white like that that's that seems to be the theme of any parent or any yes. buddy i've talked to who has a white or brown presenting parent it's that's how it breaks out it's so infuriating oh yeah absolutely i mean there have been times when i'm with my mom's side of the family not i don't see them much now but back when i was you know real little i would go out with my grandparents and they'd be like oh that is so wonderful you know that you let her be a part of your life ew and my grandma's like excuse you you know this is my granddaughter this is how it is and they wow people just say things oh absolutely and there's there they were from a small town in eastern washington where Everybody was Mexican, white. That was it. Mm. Almost no black people. Uh, definitely almost no Asians. So that by the time I had my first child and my grandmother was much older, she could not fathom that there was any other race other than Mexican. So when I was like, no, she's Puerto Rican, she'd be like, that is the cutest Mexican baby I've ever seen. And I'm like, grandma. <laughs> the question, Thanks. what kind of Mexican are they? Uh, exactly. Comes to mind. <laughs> well, absolutely. And I think, and the funny thing is, is that because I grew up with my mom's family in my life, I grew up on hee-haw. I grew mm. up on country music, you know, loved Reba McIntyre but then my dad was also we're walking down the street and he's doing the head nod to all the black guys that he runs across mm -hmm. and I thought it was just like oh you know everybody and he's like no that's what you do you give right. the nod you right. know because it's a sign of respect and he was like yeah Martin's great and Rosa's great but there is so much more than that your school's only teaching you one tiny thing let me teach you the rest right so I grew up with this very pro-black attitude in my life you know, and, and then I would have to, and I love how the world has changed so much because me growing up, there was no such thing as code switch. It just didn't happen. Right. Um, you were just acting white or you were acting black. Oh yeah, that's right. I am on the cusp of that as well. Oh yeah. And it was, it was pretty awesome. Not. 
And um, it was, I would code switch naturally without thinking about it. It was not a conversation. It was not a, okay, now that I'm with my mom's side of the family, I'm going to talk a certain way or listen to certain things. It just was, oh, here, you switch. Oh, with, you know, your dad's side of the family, you switch. That's just kind of how it is. That's the expectation. So that when I got into high school and I was like, oh, I'm me, I'm a black girl. And the other black girls were like, well, no, you're not. Mm. You don't look like us. You don't sound like us, you know. And you don't come from where we come from. Right. So maybe I had a, a few black friends, but they kind of got into it with a lot of the other black girls because they would have to stand up for me because there was a lot of bullying going on, a lot of mm-hmm. cut your hair, you know, you think you're so special. You think because you're light and all the boys yes, like. Yes, that, yeah. that happened to me too. And it's like, you don't, like, when we're at that age, that high school age, we're we're hoping to just be in, like, if I was just darker, I would just be invisible yes. and I wouldn't stand out yes. uh, or whatever. And then they're sitting there telling you that you think you're so cute because you're mixed and you're just like, but I'm not though. Like I don't, I'm not right. approaching my life that way. I'm approaching my life as I wish I was darker so that you guys mm-hmm. wouldn't see me, me as much. Yes. I don't know. I don't know how else to say it, but yeah. No, it's absolutely how I feel. And I feel this is the first time I've had a conversation where someone understands how that feels except for like I have one really really good friend of mine and and her and I will get into it like really into it and she feels the way I feel she's mixed like me and I would just and to this day I mean I still have some of that little I wish my nose was wider Mm. I wish I was browner same you know I'm not willing to get in the sun and get skin cancer but you know if it could happen magically right then maybe I wouldn't have to be scared, you know, to step into a conversation or sadly try to find a way to wheedle in, hey, I'm black. Right. So that they don't think I'm just one of those girls who wants to hang around black people and sound black and Rachel Dolezal, thanks a lot. You Fucking really sh- Rachel Dolezal. She <laughs> ruined everything for yes. light-skinned mixed people, I swear. How yes. many times somebody has said, you're on that Rachel Dolezal tip to me. I am not, I'm tiny and I'm not a violent person. I have no physical prowess, but it is the thing that makes me feel violent. Yes. Yes. I just feel like she set light-skinned black people and mixed people back so so far. So far. Oh my gosh. And people get bent out of shape. Like they're like, why you hate on her that bad? She's just trying something. And I'm like, yeah, but see, I'm not trying something and I'm being accused of trying something. When I am a little black girl from the hood, I just happen to look yellow. You know, like that's the thing. I just happen to look yellow, but culturally I'm black. I'm I'm somewhat culturally Japanese, but not as much as I'm culturally black. I drink tea on the British side and I like British humor, but that's about as British as I get, you know, like Caucasian <laughs> British as I get. I'm a black girl in a yellow body. That's it. And Rachel Dolezal, ugh, ugh. I mean, the only thing that I can say is at least her, she's messed up her hair so much that her hairline has gone halfway to the back of her head. And that's like the only punishment she's going to receive as a result of what she's done. That's it. I feel so heartbroken for her children. It really ticks me off. And I look at at what she's going through. And I think I started to watch and I think it was on Netflix. Um, Yeah, I couldn't bring myself to watch it. I don't want to I don't want to see her cast as a sympathetic character. 
And I tried, and I think I probably got the first few minutes in, and I was like, you know what? Mm, I, I'm not going to do this because I'm just <laughs> pissed off, and I'm just going to start screaming at the screen, and then I'm going to feel worse about me. And right. I'm going all my insecurities about how I present when I walk outside, when I'm around other, and it's only black women for some strange reason. For me, it's not black men. More often than not, when I run into a, a black man, he inherently knows what I am. Yes, this is, oh my gosh, this is the, this is the most talking back to myself conversation I've had. Like I get, I get taste of this with a lot of people on the show, but this is like the realest one ever. Uh, because yeah, black dudes, hundred percent I'm black for yep. me though. And I wonder if it's different for you because it, it, it comes with, I think where I grew up, light skinned people. I am not black enough for light skinned people where I grew up, not now, but where I grew up. Dark skinned people though embrace me. Dark skinned women embrace me usually, um, but light skinned women don't. They 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 line me up as as competition, or at least not now. But when I was a teenager, that's that was my experience. So I was terrified of of light skinned, fully black identified light skinned women. I was scared because those were the kids that would beat me up in school. <laughs> uh, but what about you? Like, do you have? Like, so you say like the men identify you right away, but do, uh, do you notice a difference between darker skin and lighter skin women and their accept acceptance of you as black? You know, I, I thought about that and it was like, no, it really was a mixed bag. There mm. were just some girls just, and it was an immediate thing for me. Just, mm. they would look at me and immediately they didn't like me. They didn't care who I was. They didn't want to get to know me. There was something about the way I looked. There was something about the way I talked. They didn't want any of me. And they knew I was, they knew by looking at me that I was half and that right. pissed them off. Mm. And then there was other black girls who were just automatically like, nah, she's hella cool. You know, what's your problem? Mm. And it was one of those things that either I grew up, either you like me or you hate me. And it created this, this person that I am now where I'm just pretty ambivalent because I'm so okay. used to either you love me or you hate me and there's not much I can do about it. You know, I was, I've been told I'm polarizing by the way I look because damn, that's, mean, that's a, I, that's rough <laughs> to tell you yeah. that just something, something you have no control over. Like at least say it's my my personality <laughs> that is yeah, polarizing. No, I can do something about look. that. It's the way I look, and I've had a few of my girlfriends tell me, "Well, you know, unfortunately, you bring up some really, really strong feelings." And I'm in, in other black women, and I'm like, "I get it. Oh I yeah, absolutely get it. I don't fault them in that. I totally understand. I spend so much of my time doing research." And just being in my feelings about it, but there's nothing I can do. I cannot change how I look. Right. Because if I could, believe me, I would. Same. And and this is a thing, and tell me if you feel this way too. In my case, I feel like as much as I love myself and as much as as unapologetically mixed I am now, that's obviously me being 41 and going through it, you know, blah, 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 blah. But t there's this part of me that would still take the dark pill if the dark pill was available to mm -hmm. me because mm -hmm. I, well, one, that's my standard of beauty. That's, that's what I, like, if I'm going to say that as a young kid, if I had body issues or if I had self-esteem issues about my look, it really wasn't because I looked mixed. It was because what I thought was beautiful was dark skinned woman with an Afro. 
you know? So because I don't look like that, I'll never be the the height of beauty because to me that is the height of beauty and that's not tokenism and that's not like fetishism you know that kind Mm -hmm. of stuff it's not that it's just that when I see a woman who looks like that I'm like oh my gosh that is the most beautiful you can be and then I'm over here with my little ambiguously Asian black probably (laughs) Puerto Rican I don't know face and I'm just like yeah I'm gonna be cute but that's what I got I got cute you know yeah thank you Exactly. I I don't want to be, quote unquote, exotic. I've never wanted to be exotic. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so- I, just, I don't. I just I'm not here for it. That's your thing. If you look at me and oh you're automatically gosh. like, wow, you're so exotic. Please keep it to yourself. Thank that's you not my so issue. much. I do not understand why we don't know each other already. This is insane. <laughs> Every single thing coming out of your face is something that's come out of my face. I that's insane. So, okay, sorry, I keep interrupting, but like, oh, no, you no, keep no. saying it's stuff that I'm just like, ah, I'm the only one who ever says this. <laughs> it's, I don't know, it's for, oh, so when my girls, because I have two girls and a boy and my girls were first, I remember in my oldest daughter's family, they very much, even though they're very brown, brown Puerto Ricans, they really, really wanted her to come out light like me. Mm. They really, the lighter, the better. And um, I remember just sitting there holding up a brown egg one day and looking at her grandma and going, you know, mommy, this right here, I want her to be this brown or browner. And she was very upset with me. And when she was born, she was incredibly dark Mm. and her family was very upset for a while. My middle daughter, all I kept saying out loud was, you know what? I I hope she's brown. I hope she's brown. I just wanted brown babies. I didn't want them to have to be light and have Mm. to explain themselves. Mm. I just wanted them to look like Latinas, you know, so they didn't have to spend their whole time going, oh, this is what I am, so that they could say, hey, by the way, I'm Black and Latina. Or, you know, instead of, oh, what are you? Oh, wow. Oh, cool. You're so interesting looking. Because it was such a horrible cross to bear growing up. It was. And the the worst, like, I always hated you're so exotic looking. That that definitely is one that roused me. But the one that I really in particularly hate the most is you're so lucky that you can't, you know, like, that, well, it's, you know, like you do, you want to throw up in your mouth a little bit, right? Like, what am I lucky about? Am I lucky right. that I have access to all these cultures? Agreed. Right. That's awesome. Am I lucky that my genetics is probably a little bit better because I'm not as inbred as maybe somebody that's monoracial and lived right. in a small town? Yeah. Okay, great. Lucky there too. But what are you saying when you say a mixed person is so exotic or a mixed person is so lucky or the word or even another bad one, best of both worlds or whatever? What does that mean? Oh, and how do you even oh, know? Oh, oh. <laughs> that one is a hot button for me because so I you get it too. Then think the best of both worlds is that I like what? Right. What, does what that is mean it? To them? Is it that? And this is probably going to be a trigger because it's, it's a, for you because it's certainly a trigger for me. You got the good hair. No, I don't. I have no. Asian hair. Um, I don't have what what they're referring to when they say you've got the good hair. Um, or there's the, well, at least you're light enough that you can, like, get a job or you can do, you know, like, mm-hmm. it'll be easier for you. I'm still walking around with the name Charmaine Latrice. That I can't get away from. So, pale or not, there's questions. Right. Oh, <laughs> oh, Yes. I, oh my God. Okay. My favorites are, 
this one. If you were back in slave times, at least you'd be in the house. <gasps> yes, people are such trash. I hate that they say that to us. And I'm like, first of all, let's unpack all of that because all of that's just disgusting. And Every what? I'm supposed to be grateful that. that I look that if in a different time I would be priv I would have a certain amount of privilege while still in slate. Like, come on. Right. On top of the fact that, you know what, it's not like when you were you worked in the house, you ate bonbons. It was still slavery. It, was still it didn't slavery. change. Ah, uh, that I get that. I love that. Or the, you know, not that long ago, you could have totally passed. Yep. What? Why? Yep. Like, I did that. I can't even fathom because I was raised to be so proud mm -hmm. of being black. So proud. So that when you tell me, oh, you're lucky you could pass, I'm over here sad that I'm as light as I am. And now you're telling me that that is something I should be proud of? No, I'm not proud because... People will turn to me and they will say the most disgusting, disparaging remarks about black people thinking that I'm either Latina mm -hmm. or thinking that I'm some off-brand white, off white girl. And they'll say shit and I'm just like, first of all, so you're all right. Second of all, I'm black. And they'll always go, and? No, no, no. There is an and, but that's not the point. Yeah. The point is you don't get to come to me and be disrespectful and racist and mm -hmm. think, that I'm it's okay. Gonna... My favorite term that I use when I'm mad is I know you think I'm black girl light, but no, no, I'm not some black girl crystal light version. I'm right. still a black girl and I'm hella proud of it. And if you come to me disrespectfully, I'm probably going to be louder than mm -hmm. my black girlfriends are. Because... Yeah. So people ask me all the time, why, why are mixed girls so much more militant or so much more yes. radical than other black folks and is it an overcompensation for being light i don't think it's an overcompensation and actually i'm super duper offended when someone says that shit to me but i do wonder you know how like you don't want to hear you know like how where the truth hurts and that maybe there's mm -hmm. a nugget of truth there but i don't want that to be true so i'm more just offended by it i don't want to think i'm more militant or more outspoken because I am lighter. I want to say that this would have been me no matter how dark or light I came out. Uh, I don't know. And I kind of don't want to know the truth because if the truth is, yes, I'm more militant because I'm mixed and because I'm light skinned, <laughs> I'll be really disappointed in myself. <laughs> I have thought about that a lot. And I've come to the hard realization that more than likely, yeah, probably. Yeah. I probably am in your face about it because I feel like I have to prove something because I'm constantly told which side are you. Mm -hmm. And then when I say black, it is almost like, okay, then prove it. Yeah. If you're so black. But the other thing is I've thought about what you said too. It's like, if I was Brown or would I be this way? But if I was a guy, would I act like this? Right. It's, There's other it things. Doesn't matter. This is what I am. Yeah. So this is my journey. And I would be a completely different individual. And I don't know where I'd be in my life if I was browner or lighter. Because I had a girlfriend in high school that I met in my freshman year. There were three of us. And we were three mixed girls. And one girl, she looked just like a light-skinned black girl, a little light, but that was it. Another girl had blonde hair and green eyes. 
and she was lighter than me. Mm. And we had three incredibly different views on the exact same experiences simply because of the way that we looked and we compensated in very different ways, you know, and Mm -hmm. I I compensate now and I, I know I do, you know, I know I'm mixed. There's nothing I can do about it, but white people never wanted me. Exactly. And that's the thing. It's like, uh, white people just cast us aside. We're never half white. Right. We're mixed black. Exactly. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So here's my, here's my whole thing is I don't know, like I've never chased whiteness. I've never felt bad that the white people didn't accept me. And in fact, I didn't, like I said to you before we got uh, started recording, I didn't really start to see white people until I was, you know, late teens, early twenties and stuff like that. And then, and then I viewed them as if it was my own private little National Geographic. Like, white people are so weird, you know. <laughs> and I'm always, you know, and I would I would be that awkward mixed girl that would say, why do white, like, go straight up to a white person and be like, why do white people do blah, blah, blah. And then I'm, they're, I'm forcing them to confront their whiteness without them realizing that whiteness is a thing. Whereas, like, everybody seems to be aware that blackness is a thing. Right. You know, or whatever. Um, and people... But I will say I'm offended when a white person assumes I chose my brown because. Okay, I'm trying to figure out how to word this. Um, I guess it's just the assumption. It's just like, oh, you know what it is. It's when it's like, oh, you know, you you uh, assign more to the black side because black is so cool and so hip and this and that yes. or whatever. And it's like, no, I assign with my black folks because my black folks are the folks what accepted me when I was little, you know? Yes. When I didn't know white people and white people to this day, if I tell someone like, you know, essentially I'm half white and they're just like, you know, <laughs> that's cute. But what are you? <laughs> right. No, seriously. That's exactly how I feel because people will be like, oh, well, you know, I guess you don't want to be white. Well, that's never been a conversation for me because it was, it was decided, you know, I have white friends. My sister is my half sister and she's from my mom and she's my sister. So she's my sister, but she has blonde hair, blue eyes. And people are always like, oh, so that's your sister. Well, then why don't you act more white or why don't you hang out with more white people? Why don't you consider yourself white? And I'm like, from the time I was little, I was told, and not by my father, but by society, this is exactly what you are. You are not white. We don't want you over here. We're not asking for you. And if we do like you, it's because you're light enough and you're a token. You're the black person that we can show everybody that we're cool with black people with. And I'm not here for that shit. Palatable black. Yeah. And I've been the palatable black hire. I've been the palatable black friend until I realize that that's what's happening and then I'm no longer that friend you know I've been told in the corporate environment I've been told that I'm I'm the best kind of hire because I check off almost all the racial boxes black Japanese or you know black Asian Mm -hmm. and white I'm a woman I'm the LGBT so Mm -hmm. check 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 so in terms of a diversity hire they can get everything they need in one person and they don't have to brown up the environment that is disgusting yeah yeah, wow. and that's also like, like super wow. illegal. <laughs> like, wow, that is. I will say it's so funny that that someone would even. I still can't fathom the fact that people even say these things, but they say these things to me all the time. Right, like I've I've been around the kind of corporate whiteness that is so 
utterly privileged that they don't understand that what they've said is not only just gross, but that there is a reason why shit like that's illegal. Right. Because now I know. Now I'm walking around knowing not only am I your diversity hire, I'm your token fill in the blank. Whatever I need mm -hmm. to be in that moment. Charmaine, come over here. We got some Asians. Well, guess what? They're all Chinese and I'm Japanese. We don't even speak the same language. So what am I doing here? Um, the, you know, or whatever. In, those types of things keep happening. Um, you know, usually I've been the only woman manager in an environment. But again, they get to check off a black manager and an Asian manager and a woman manager all in one person and they don't have to brown up the boardroom. That kind of stuff has been, you know, my career basically. And it's really irritating. Um, but that's just, unfortunately, that has been my reality, which is probably why I need to do this show so bad because right. <laughs> I need to talk this out with other people who experience it. I am like so blown away by the stuff that you've said that are pretty much I, like I feel like I've split into two and I'm having a conversation with myself because <laughs> a lot of the times you know one thing that the show has done for me is expose me to mixedness that I never understood or that I didn't have access to like I have a half sister I didn't grow up with her but I have a half sister like yours who's white presenting we actually look a lot alike and I think people would identify us as sisters if we stood side by side but she's white presenting and so people have to discover she's mixed with black. And I don't know what that experience is like for her, but I know that I've for years discounted white passingness because I thought, you know, golden ticket, go out there in the world and just assimilate. You know, I didn't really think about them needing to fill right. whatever their brown was the same way I feel, but because I'm kind of identifiable, like a black person can see me coming a mile away. I, I, I rarely, and in fact, in in my life, I've only had one person actually tell me they wouldn't have known I was black unless I said so. In all 41 years, it's only happened to me one time. Usually it's someone who just walks up to me and says, you black, right? Or they just call me little sis and I know that that means that they know, you know, stuff like that. Like, usually I don't have to explain it. My favorite one was a coworker from the other side of the warehouse saw me at the copy machine and said, okay, Charmaine, I see you. And I didn't know what she was talking about until she came up close and she's like, you got a big old booty. And I was like, yeah, well, did you have to shout that across the whole warehouse? Cause <laughs> so, you know, those things like that, that I experienced that, you know, validate my blackness without me having to do it for them. Right. So the show has taught me, oh, there's some people who actually present white and need to be their brown but they'll never get that chance. And right. then there's people like from my first episode, John Corbin, who presents Brown, but is in a white environment and for a long period of his life wanted to present, you know, kind of needed to present white. It would have been easier anyway for him. Right. But then I talked to you and like I said, there's nuggets with every person. I'm like, oh, I can, I, I can, you know, understand that or I've experienced that or whatever. But like you, every single thing has been, that's happened to me, that's happened to me, that's happened to me. And it's, it's such a different experience because the only other people who would have that direct thing is probably my cousins I grew up with living in the same house as, you know, I haven't seen it with a, with a person I've never met before. So it's crazy. It's, it's so crazy. The things that you've said. It's, it, it feels good to know. Cause there are things that I've grown up feeling 
just feeling. And there's no one to have these conversations with. There's no one to talk to, to bounce it off of. Because when I've tried, it's, oh, no, 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 you're fine. You know, my black girlfriends are like, oh, you're just one of us. You know, we had a conversation because I have, I have two blogs and my second blog is with two of my girlfriends and it's called two and a half black women. One of the conversations, we were talking about one of the posts that we were thinking about and I had brought up in regards to being mixed. Like, do you feel like, you know, mixed girls have to try harder? And they were like, no, it doesn't, no, what are you talking about? You're just black. And I'm like, no, I don't think you guys are getting it. There's so much backlash from some black women to the point where if I even I get scared to say I'm black because it's just going to be an automatic dislike. You'd rather, they'd rather me say I'm white Mm. and they deal with me better than me saying I'm black because I bring up so many feelings. And this is why I write because I spent middle school, high school, you know, my twenties, my thirties floating in this ambiguous sea and having no one to even talk to, to relate to. So I'm just, I'm writing it all down. And now I've gotten it back where people are like, well, your blog's great. It's cool, but you don't talk about being mixed a lot. Well, cause there's more things to me than that. I'm, I'm not just a mixed person. I'm not one dimensional. You know, mm. you're not one dimensional. You have feelings. You talk about things that matter to you. Why can't I talk about the things that matter to me? And why are the only interesting things about me being homeless, you know, pregnant and homeless, being in a battered woman shelter? Why is, you know, Mm. my tragedies? And it was so funny because someone told me the other day, they were like, that stuff's the most interesting stuff because that's kind of what you expect. Like people see the most foul shit to me like you don't know they say these things because they think I'm cool with it because they they can't say it to their black friends so they say it to me and I was like what do you mean that's what you expect well you know when you think tragic things with people being poor you think of black people (gasps) so that's more interesting and I'm like whoa 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 also why is my tragedy fodder for your interests you know, like, right. why do you get to be interested in what pain I've suffered? Yeah, I mean, like, I present it, yes. I put it out there for them to read, but I also talk about things like body shaming and slut shaming and, you know, how we're raising our men. We need to raise them as whole, holistic human beings, not these caricatures of what a man is supposed to be and people are like ah that's interesting but we want to hear more about how hard it is to be you know poor and and mixed and a single mom Mm. no that's i'm not going to to feed that to you so if that's what you want please go find someone else who's willing to do that because that's not everything that i am right you know this is a moment in my life this is not my life this is not me. So it's it's been a little difficult trying to figure out, you know, who's reading me because it's just this salacious entertainment. Mm. And who's reading me because they're like, she's really got something to talk about. So she's talking about this one minute, talking about, you know, being homeless. Then she's talking about, you know, politics. And all those things are interesting because I like her voice. Right. I like what she says. So I'm I'm fairly new with this and I'm kind of picking my way through. It's, it's really, it's interesting. It's brought out some things in people I didn't know that have made me step back and close my circle. Right. That's yes. That's yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, yeah, because I had a wide circle growing up, and it's gotten smaller and smaller as I've gotten older because my ability to put up with other people's BS, I just, and that's where that's where the slightly annoyed mixed chick comes from mm-hmm. because I'm consistently walking through life <laughs> slightly annoyed with what everybody's saying or doing because they keep thinking that I'm the person they can go to to say just this off-the-wall shit. Right. Because, oh, she's light, she understands. I've only had a few people come to me very respectfully, I actually had a girlfriend of mine come to me and she had some questions about like, well, the things that we say, these phrases, I've had a few black girls say to me that we can't say them because we're not black. And she was like, I don't, I don't want to make you like a spokesperson, but what does it mean? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and we had like a real conversation, but most people don't come to me like that. Most people either just drop the N-word because they figure, I don't care. Right. Or, you know, they come up and they're just like, why are black people always like this? Why are you so lucky you're like, not- Like, I'm not you know? a Dakota ring for blackness <laughs> right? for you. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, there is books. There are things to read. Stop using me as your Wikipedia for blackness. Yeah. You wow. know, so it's interesting. It's 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 very interesting. And, and being with my fiance, seeing how his family- sees me is very interesting Mm, yeah you know I wonder and I've asked him before would they be this accepting if I was darker and he's like I don't know I you know yeah because one of his cousins her daughter's half black and she she's the cutest little thing and she definitely looks black she's half Filipino and she's half black and you know we always wonder like what is life going to be like when she gets a little bit older you know, right. the family loves her, but how is she going to, when she goes out into the Filipino community, how accepting will they be? Cause she is dark. Yeah. You know, so it's, the world is changing. It's my daughters see things so differently than I see them, you know? And I, right. We have these conversations because I see things differently than my dad sees them. Racism was different for my dad's generation than it is. It was for mine than it is for my daughter's. And it's this ongoing thing that I want to tap into, that I want to talk about, that I want, you know, let's have a discussion. We don't have to just be baby boomers and Generation X and millennials. Right. We can come together, have these conversations, respect each other. And I try my best to bridge that gap. Um, You know, I really want to hear what people have to say. It doesn't mean I'm going to like what you have to say, but if you say it respectfully. Sure then I'll listen. If you come to me, you know, foul and start just saying stuff to say stuff, I'm, I'm going to shut you down. Cause I don't have time for that. I have, I'm so busy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have time. And it's just exhausting. The, yes. the term that I like to use is something that I got off of the show code switch from NPR, which was, they were talking about a woman who was working on a study about uh, racial weathering where like racism have this taxing like it 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 taxes our bodies in a way you know like already of course we're more mentally drained and more emotionally drained probably than you know white folks because of what we have to do like what we have to deal with everyday problems and then also be dealing with those as brown people and then on top of it that mental and emotional strain has an impact on our bodies. And that's why we suffer from diseases that um, in higher numbers, you know, hypertension and sickle cell and things like that, that don't seem to attack white people at the same level, things like that. And so I do, there's just times when the experience of 
like it's it's kind of a like I make the choice to be out of the closet mixed AF, right? Like I'm just mm-hmm. out here. But that took me a long time to get there. But because I'm out and and super duper mixed out in the world, I almost invite these kinds of ignorant moments, you know, because people say, okay, you're putting it out there so I can say this thing to you or I can ask this question or whatever. And it's so taxing every time. Mm -hmm. And I have to decide, am I going to take this opportunity to educate even though I'm not getting paid for it and it taxes my body every time I do it? Or do I let it slide and then miss an opportunity for this person to improve, hopefully, if they heard it and and thought about it, you know, whatever. And, you know, it depends. There's times when I make someone jump through hoops and I try to weather them, you know, where are you from? California. Oh no, but where are you really from? Long Beach. (laughs) Oh, where you, well, technically I was born in Sacramento, but I grew up in Long Beach. Oh no, but you know, and then it's like, I'm waiting until you ask the question, where's your Brown from? And, uh, or I'll say something like, you know, I move around a lot sometimes, Boston and sometimes whatever, Austin and LA, blah, 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 you know, and I'll make them do that until they're so irritated that I'm like, the fact that you still persevered long enough to to ask the question you wanted to ask in the first place. Imagine me having to deal with that 50 times a day, every day, you know, like imagine how I feel type of thing. Nine times out of 10, I I do educate, even though I keep telling myself I don't want to, but it's exhausting. And so like, I think probably you creating your blog and, and me creating the show, it was my way of having context free conversations. Like we already, we already show up knowing we go through this stuff. And even though our stuff could be different, like I said, white passing is now something I understand at a better level than I ever did. Um, you know, and I, 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 I'm learning to identify where I've been trash in a couple of ways. You know, I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, I disregarded this aspect of mixedness because it wasn't my mixedness. So, you know, now I'm opening my mind too throughout this show. And I think having these, this is like the least weathering kind of conversation because I didn't have to tell you, you know, it's more of just like the excitement. It's weird. And I'm sure that when I listen back to this, it's going to come off sounding so insane where I'm almost (laughs) like excited, even though you've just said something about a terrible experience you have. And I'm like, me too, you know, because it's like, oh, I'm not alone. You know, that seems to be the thing, right? Like you have these experiences, you have these exchanges and you're like, oh, I'm not the only one. And it's bonding through tragedy. And it sucks I'm, that I'm that's a thing, but yes. I'm very used to it. I'm yeah. very used to it. Yeah. And it's, I'm sure you've gone through this and I've always wondered what it was, what it would be like to walk into any situation, one, confident in who you are, two, confident in how you look to other people so that you don't have to go, okay. How am I going to approach a situation? How am I going to approach that person there? Okay, should I just automatically come out and say what I am? Should I wait until they ask? Should I, do I sound, you know, black enough? Or do I sound too white? Or those are all the things that go through my head most of the time. Mm. It's very rare that I can just walk into any situation and just be me. It's a figuring out how to navigate through the people in the room and when is it going to come up? When are they going to ask what I am? When are they going to stop looking at me a little weird, a little half cocked? And when are they just going to come out with the, what are you? Because they, that's, 
their favorite because I don't look like anything in particular except for Puerto Rican and I'm here in California and there's not a lot of Puerto Ricans. Right. You know, so they spend a lot of time trying to figure out, trying to get up the courage. You know, what are you? What are you? What are you? And it's like, okay, well, what do I, what do I feel like? How far do I want to get into it today? How tired am I? Yeah. Do I, do I want to be obnoxious to reflect your obnoxiousness back at you? Yes. Or do I want to just be like, yes. this is what I am. And uh, right. I want to be the kind of like, there's times and I'm not this person at all, but there's times when I see a person that has this level of confidence and I'm just like, yes, bitch, do it. Um, <laughs> it, it is the kind that's just like, you know, I'm mixed as fuck. Ain't I cute? Like, <laughs> I don't have that quality. I don't have that thing of just like, this is what I like. I'm very out there. I'm mixed. You're going to have to deal with my mixedness, but I'm not out here being like, I, I, I'm not always able to flip somebody's whatever they intended against them. Right. I ha or I, or maybe I'm not quick witted enough quite yet for that. I don't know what it is. It's pro probably a combination or something, but I want to get to there because I'm, I love being mixed. I love it so much. Um, even though it's taxing, even though it can be really weathering. And even though I would love to know what it feels like, and the show is really the only space in which I get to have that experience. Right. I would love to know what it feels like, like you said, to walk into a room and everybody looks like me or a version of something like me. And we're just what we are like, right. How many times I've been in a space where I've been like, Oh, I wonder if this is what white people feel like, or I wonder if this is what just black people walking in a room full of black people feel like when there's right. not a light skin reminder that, you know, white people used to rape us during slavery, you know, like I, right. I wa <laughs> it sucks that we have to always lay on tragedy on top of um, our brownness. But, you know, like I don't have many of those experiences. This conversation is certainly one of those experiences for me where it's like, I just walked into a room of someone who's just like me. Um, yes. And I think about it, like, because I remember when you and I were exchanging emails, when we were first kind of putting this together, you kind of apologetically said, you know, here's my photo, I, but I'm very, very pale, but don't worry, I'm mixed. And I'm just like, whew, so much in that <laughs> sentence. Like, you know, like, I felt it because I've, I've done that. I, I've been like, you know, I'm mixed, but I'm black, you know, that kind of yes. thing. And, and so I, like, I had to sit on my, dis like, honestly, I'm, I'm just, I'm going to peek behind the curtain type of moment. I saw that. And even though I responded quickly, it was like, I pressed the pause button on the world while I thought about, do I just say like, you don't have to say that. And here's a whole bunch of things. And here's some feelings and blah, blah, blah. Or do I just say, girl, you know, I know. <laughs> like, <laughs> you don't have to tell me. <laughs> like, um, because this is our life, right? We mm -hmm. we're light mixed people who identify probably more on one side than the other, partly mm -hmm. because the world tells us to, and partly because it's where we've been embraced. And, and man, like, like it breaks my heart every time I ha I hear that from one of my, my guests or potential, potential guests. But at the same time, if you don't do it with me and I don't provide a safe space, then where are you going to get it? Like right. right now, I mean, maybe you feel like that about your blog too. Is like, I feel I started this for selfishly. I wanted to connect and now I feel a responsibility. It's not a negative responsibility. It's not a burden, but I feel it the way I assume you feel burdens where it's like, if I don't do this, who's going to do it? 
and so mm-hmm. I'm doing it. You know, and luckily I've met a couple other people who are doing it too, and they're doing it in their ways, and I'm doing it in my ways, and we're connecting, and we're like, yay! And we're not in competition because we're needing this so bad. Right. And hopefully oh, yeah. one day we can all get together in one little room, and we're just like, oh my gosh, you know. But I feel like I feel that on such a such a heavy, heavy thing, and so many things that you've said, like like I keep saying, like. Uh, this that's been that's a that's a safe space conversation we just had even though we're talking about some of our pain it really is just like yes I see you I hear you I've been you and how often do we get to have I've been you oh I've spent my adult life since I've had children doing and I'm so tired when I say tired like people go you're tired you want to take a nap no I'm so emotionally drained I'm sick and and tired of being sick and tired yeah Seriously, I, I'm, I'm tired from being poor. I'm tired from being a single mom with like no baby father to help out or take a child. I'm tired from trying to find money to stretch somewhere or, you know, just being light and having to explain myself and getting to the point where is there any possibility, any time in the world where I'm not going to have to apologize away my face, my circumstance, my accent, who I'm dating. Mm. Because I was talking to my girlfriends the other day and I was like, you know, explain this to me. Here's the thing. I said, you guys get mad, not them, but when I date black men, you get mad because I'm light. But if I date someone who's not black, you get mad because I'm not embracing my black side. Oh my Should I be asexual? (laughs) Like, is that what would work best for you? Because- that term mulatto, you know, from what I know, and I could be totally wrong, you could correct me, I was told it means mule-like. Yeah, no? that's, what, that's and, the origin and, of it. Yep, and you can't procreate. Like, is that what you want from me? Like, I'm this aberration, so I need to have no more of me. Like, stay away from your men, but don't embrace anybody else. Just sit over in the corner and be sad and be mixed. Because even if you found a partner that was mixed similarly to you, they're still not going to be a copy of you. Their cultural experience is going to be different. There's so many other things that can happen that, you know, there's not a version of finding a pure white or pure black or pure that you know that like there's no version of that for us even if we find someone who happens to be mixed similarly to us because you might be the kind of black and white that identified more with black and they might be the kind of black and white that identified more with Mm -hmm. white and how do you yeah like what are we supposed to do and in my case i feel i feel a kind of discomfort sometimes because i ended up partnering with somebody who is essentially white, even though they're mixed, they didn't grow up mixed, so they don't have a mixed cultural understanding or a mixed identification. And when I'm in black spaces with him, I'm like, oh, he's he grew up around us, it's okay. You know, like, I'm apologetic <laughs> yes. and sometimes about my, my choice of partner, and it's like, it's not my fault, he's just the one I fell in love with, you know? So, that's the thing. Like, what right. do you do? <laughs> no, thank you, that's how I feel too, because like, I'm... I'm the one who's going to stand up and if, you know, people want to talk about Black Lives Matter and Tifa or, you know, Stop and Frisk, which was huge in Boston. Oh, you my know, God. So I'm, bad. Such a trash city. Yes. I am. Yes. Whew, I'm so glad I to be out of there. 
I'm the one screaming and yelling. I'm the one who's going to get in your face and I'm going to be like, you don't understand. Yes, I'm light, but let me tell you what I've been told. Let me tell you what it's like for my cousins. Let me tell you what it's like, you know, and people are like, whoa, 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 wait, you can't act like that because you're too light to act like that. And you got a Filipino man. So, you know, you have to be with a black man. You have to be darker and then I'll hear what you have to say. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to not be with him to fit what your stereotype of what I'm supposed to be. And then I'm allowed to think this way. Like, thank you for telling me about me. Thank you for telling me who I should be. Right. You know, it frustrates the hell out of me. Yeah. It's really frustrating. It's, it's a, it's a weird, it's a weird relation to blackness. And I have, I struggle with, saying naysaying any aspect of my blackness because it is where i am more accepted but there is that element of not enough or um or too much i mean honestly that's the thing too like when i'm around hood folks and i'm extra hood and somebody who isn't hood but black experiences me that way i'm too much but right just shit that's how i grew up like that's who i am it's you know there i feel less the core of who I was growing up, I feel less like that now than I, you know, at any point in my adulthood, because now I've had 20 years of kind of maneuvering white spaces and, and corporate spaces. So, you know, I, I described to you that this voice that I speak to on through on my show and in general is my code switch. Cause mm-hmm. I'm a hood black girl. I just happen to be yellow <laughs> and you know, <laughs> Um, and yeah, we are from the generation that we, we were the, you, you talk white generation, not the code switch generation. I do prefer the term code switch and I, I definitely embrace it. Um, and I'm like a code switch, switch ninja. Uh, We live in the, uh, the Japanese part of LA and I go into the grocery store there and my husband watches me change into a Japanese person all of a sudden. And then we walk out of the Japanese store and I'm I'm the way I am now, you know, like, and he laughs. He's just like, man, he's like, you just slipped right in there, didn't you? Your whole body changed. And I was like, did it? You know, because it it just happens. We just turn it on. We can't help ourselves. Um, And the same thing, I I get around my black friends and I'm black, you know, and they, I hate that I'm about to say this, but they allow me to be as black as I am because they identify it in me, you know? Right. They don't. Oh, no, I, I get it. I totally get it. I get it and then I overcompensate. I you and do I don't overcompensate. Mean to. I I overcompensate apologetically like, or or what do you mean? Uh, no, like a couple examples like if I see another mixed person, first of all, when I see everybody's face, I'm scanning, trying right. to see if there's someone like me. And it's then like, if I see another mixed person, I become this weird stan where I'm like you're going to be my friend. Right. Because Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's like punch buggy when you were a kid, you're just like yes. you see a Volkswagen, you're like punch buggy. Yeah. Yep. Punch oh, buggy yeah. for mixed folks, yep. Oh, yeah, and then I overcompensate where I get around white people and I become probably the blackest person in the room. Oh, that's what you mean. <laughs> yes. I become the blackest person in the room and I'm like, nope, don't want to hear it. Let me tell you. Nope, don't want to hear it. Let me tell you. And then I become, when I'm around other black people that I don't know, I become very quiet and I have a, I'm very shy and I'm so scared of being shot down that Mm. all of a sudden it's not like I become super white, 
I just don't want to talk you clam until up. I feel. Yeah, I clam up because I'm scared that if I say something that I was so comfortable saying in front of the group of white people, if I say it, I'm afraid that it's going to turn into an argument. Mm. You know, you're not allowed to say this because of the way you look. So it's not that I'm more comfortable with white people. I just feel like I can express my blackness, my angry blackness, in front of white people a lot better than I can um, the black people I don't know because I don't it. know how well that's going to go over. So that's it. That's uh, we, we've discovered our area in which we are different. Finally, um, that <laughs> is, <laughs> that's not something. That's so weird. That's not something I I, I have struggled with on the black side. I've always been basically my black ass self around black folks and and it it's it's take it is take me or leave me right so if, if someone is like i am not trying to hear some mixed girl try to be out here be all black fine we're probably not for each other that's fair right. um but i'm not gonna i don't adapt myself with white folks it's a mixed bag for years i just complied and whatever and behaved a certain way i didn't want to reflect poorly on my race and then it's also like how dare they tell me what reflects poorly on my wrist? Um, so yeah, like I, I kind of enjoy making white people uncomfortable now in a way that I didn't used to. I was apologetic before, whereas now I'm just like, you know what? Y'all been making us feel uncomfortable yes. for a long time. So yes. you're going to take a little bit of discomfort. And it's not like yeah. I'm walking around, you know, just picking on a white person being like, you know, Wah, or whatever. But it is like, if they say something ignorant, I will throw it back. Like I was telling you, someone tried to sales pitch me and said, you know, you didn't sound militant on your show. And I was like, oh, you must not understand the definition of the word militant. Right. You just lost the sale. And so, but I didn't hang up. You know, I took it as a moment to be like, I want you to sit in your uncomfortable soup for a f few minutes while I tell you why you were ignorant. Right. So I don't have that. I, I don't know if that's good or bad though. You know, like, I don't know if it's, obnoxious of me to be that <laughs> or if it's you know oh i feel bad that you do feel that way you know, like i have no idea which right. is, maybe it's a combination of the of the two things but i i don't know when gosh i don't know if i ever that that would take some self self examination to try to figure out where that thing comes from. Maybe that I mean that could just also be Long Beach because I also will tell anybody at a drop of a hat I'm from Long Beach even though I haven't lived in Long Beach since I was 15. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like Long Beach recognize, you know. <laughs> you can take the girl out the ghetto, you can't take the ghetto out the girl. But I have like no connection or tie to that place anymore. Uh and yet it I do maybe maybe that's a little bit of it. Um but we are coming to the end so this has been an amazing conversation, unlike I have had throughout all of my episodes so far. It's so crazy uh, that we have so much in common. We talked about some good. We talked about some bad. We talked about some uncomfortable. And we talked about a yeah. whole lot of shared. But as we wrap this up, tell me what do you love most about being mixed? Wow, that that's actually a tough one. That's why I don't prompt it. I, I've prompted it a couple times before with some folks and that messed people up. And so now I'm just like, what's the first thing that you think of? What do you love right in that moment? The first thing I think of when you say that is I love the fact that I am part of the black community, whether it be fully or partially. I am so proud to be black. I love being mixed because I do feel like that there are times 
as sad as it is that I'm the emissary, I'm the one who can have that conversation with people who are too terrified mm -hmm. to have it with other, with, with black people, they can have it with me. And as long as I remember not to yell, um, and <laughs> <laughs> you know, and just to approach it from an aspect of at least they're asking, mm -hmm. you know, that's interesting. That would spark a whole nother conversation, but we can, we'll just have to get back together. <laughs> Absolutely. So, <laughs> I, I love I love it. I, I, I love being mixed. I wouldn't want to be anything else. As I bad as it has same. been, as great as it's been, I love it. I do. I just love it. I love being mixed. And I love that ability to code switch. Right. I don't know why. I don't know if it's a positive or negative. Honestly, I really don't. But I just love it. And I'm glad that you love it, too. Yeah. <laughs> um, so why don't you tell everybody how to find you social media your blog we got to get more mixed folks reading your mixed race content yes please do you can find me at slightlyannoyedmixgirl.com that's my blog um, that is also my Instagram slightlyannoyedmixgirl uh, I do have another blog that I'm working on and it's two and a half black women you can find me there um, we have an Instagram two and a half black women uh, please come please read and, and more than just read, reach out, tell me what you want to hear about. Let me know what your questions are, because I'm not just here to speak to the void. Mm. I'm here to create a dialogue, a conversation to work off of each other. Right. You know, um, real quick, I am coming up. I am doing a series on, it sounds so weird, but thrift shops that give back. And I just went to a place called EPA shop, East Palo Alto in California. It's a neighborhood going through some serious gentrification right now. Mm. And it's very sad to watch. I lived there for a long time and got out before it happened. And EPA shop is just trying to create this, this environment where the community comes in and, you know, yes, there's blackness and you're Asian and you're Latino. And I, I did an interview with the owner yesterday and it was, it was changing, like change how I looked at a lot of things. Mm. So please come in a few weeks, that'll be up and I'm going to write about her. I just, I want you to hear my voice and I want to hear yours. Right. Well, awesome. Thank you so much for responding to me, whatever we both liked on that made me email <laughs> you. Uh, thanks for being interested in, in participating. Uh, thank you for having a, conver a context free oh, conversation because that was freaking awesome. Um, <laughs> so weird and bizarre i definitely need you to come back at some point so we can Absolutely. we can talk more because uh, we barely scratched the surface of where we could go down right. down this rap mixed race rabbit hole but yeah everybody check out slightly annoyed mixed girl blog and instagram and yeah don't forget to be your mixed ass self always <laughs> <laughs> Militantly Mix is a main hustle media podcast produced and hosted by me, Charmaine Johnson. Music is by David Bogan, The One. And if you like what you heard on Militantly Mix, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes and wherever you find your podcasts. Main Hustle Media. Turn your side hustle into your main hustle.